Oh, hi. Welcome to the Cybersecurity Cafe podcast. This is where Louisa and Beverly bring you the experts, the stories, and the research impacting the cybersecurity profession today. Beverly, it's been a while since I saw you last. <laughs> I think we could have to move in together. <laughs> yeah. The spare room's full. <laughs> Love you. Feeling the love. Feeling the love. <laughs> it's my birthday this I week. I know. I know. I've showered and you with presents, I, but you're not moving into the guest room. Oh. <laughs> now, on to more serious matters. Louisa, we all want to help small business. We know they're under pressure. We know that they're a target. They are really suffering. I think we haven't sorted out how to help them in a really tangible way. They don't need the same things that the big end of town need. Done some research about this, Louisa? Oh, so glad you asked. (laughs) Here's one I prepared earlier. Used my wonderful friend Google and decided to just imagine myself as a small business owner. I know I've got to do something about cybersecurity. I don't have an IT team, let alone a security team. So I've Googled and come up with a couple of bits of advice from some government websites. And what I found was there's a lot of mixed messaging in there. Overall, they'll get to the right outcomes. But if I read that messaging as a small business, I'd be confused. And I'll just throw some words out. There's one government talks about backup, preventing malware, keeping smartphones and tablets safe, avoiding phishing attacks and passwords. And there's a really great bit of detail behind that. Another one talks about the need to protect your assets, protect your email, protect your mobile and tablets, your network, your servers, do some planning, and um, also make sure your software's up to date. So again, it's that thing we always come back to, Beverly, the messaging, Mm. the consistency. It's one thing we can do as a profession is, is to keep that messaging consistent. Simplify it. Yep. Yeah, and then a very large security vendor offered some advice. You're going to love this one, Beverly. It talked about the fact that tech can only go so far in stopping cyber attacks. It stops about 26%. Uh, Then 10% of attacks can be stopped by having the right policies. And then 4% can be stopped with training. And I found that really low. What do you think of that? I would flip that the other way around and say training first, some a couple of key messages, backup, back up, back up, because no matter what they get hit with, they can at least recover. I think if we just gave them that one first, then of course there's some other important tasks, but not a shopping list. They're already so time constrained. So not giving them the whole enchilada, so to speak. Yeah, agreed. So, Beverly, who's our guest this week? Because I think they might just be able to help us. I think, I think you can. And I've just never seen anyone do understand the market so well and go into a market segment just with so much understanding and, and, and some really good innovative solutions. So, we're going to hear from Adam. Let's get on with the chat. Adam Selwood, a very warm welcome to the Cybersecurity Cafe. So great to have you here. Thanks, Louisa. It's uh, wonderful to be here. 
You are co-founder, director, and CTO at Cinch Security, and it's a company you founded with Susie Jones, where you are, to quote your Twitter, working your ass off to help business leaders avoid some of the worst days of their career. Every day. (laughs) But what I really first want to understand is how did you land in cybersecurity? So my journey to cybersecurity is similar to a lot of other people's in that it's, it's not direct. Uh, so I originally started in uh, IT support, uh, rolling out antivirus across Australia and New Zealand, and then eventually landed the role as the uh, global lead for infrastructure architecture. Uh, once I reached that point, I was offered a role at Australia Post. And from there, I was given opportunities to try out a whole bunch of stuff, including joining the security team. I really just fell in love with the, the space. I mean, it's, it's a completely different, unintuitive area to go into in the technology sphere, but certainly one once you get into it that um, the community around it and everything in there just sort of sucks you in and uh, really something that I embraced and, and have found a passion in. So let's get on to Cinch Security. Sure. Uh, why did you and, and Susie found Cinch? One of the things I was given an opportunity to do when I was working at Australia Post was to um, participate in an internal startup initiative called CyberAsk. Uh, and as part of that initiative, we were looking at ways of creating innovative solutions to the problem of data breaches, in particular those within small and micro businesses. Working in that, we were exposed to and given first-hand experience with the harm and the devastation and the emotional impacts that come in the space of a small business when a data breach occurs. So working and, and trying to figure out how to help businesses in that context was really rewarding, really challenging, um, but ultimately that was a an initiative that wasn't to continue within Australia Post and got closed down. So both Susie and I met as part of that. The pain and that uh, passion that we'd felt in solving for that problem never really disappeared. And so we continually got pulled back into it and then ended finding ourselves for nights and weekends, essentially just working on solutions to that problem. So that's kind of where the beginning of Cinch came from. What can be done to solve for that problem where a small business experiences a data breach And what we discovered and and through that experience is there is a problem in terms of solving for after the fact, but the real problem that really needs to be solved for is not just after, but also before. So how do we help small businesses holistically? How do we help them across both pre a breach, but also after the breach? And, And once we can do that, then we can develop and a small business can develop true resilience against that threat, the threats that we're facing. So that's sort of where the, uh, yeah, the original idea for it came from and our passion for pursuing the problem. Yeah. Uh, we've both been full-time for about six months, a little over, and we've launched the product and the, and the service in the last three months. And uh, yeah, we're out working with small businesses now, which is fantastic and terribly rewarding. Just being able to every day talk to a small business owner, help them understand the risks and the problems that they're facing, um, help them take meaningful steps towards addressing that and then feel the confidence that comes with that so that they can continue to grow their businesses is just one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. So uh, we're out there, we have customers, we're talking to all sorts of people uh, and just really ready to hit the accelerator and go hard on it now. So 
Congratulations on getting to that point. I know a lot of hard work goes into founding a business. So um, it's great that you're out there doing that and that you found your passion, which Mm. is even better. I think it'd be a really good question to ask you, actually. Uh, What is a small business? The the unfortunate, one of the hardest things when starting a business focused towards small business is lack of clarity around what a small business actually is. Um, And there's all sorts of definitions out there. Typically, you'll find a lot of the research and the data is actually done as treating them as small and medium businesses, which conflates the problem entirely. So everything that we do is really focused on small businesses at the, at the really small end of things, everyone from a sole operator up to our sweet spots around about 20 staff. And then beyond that, uh, we uh, work with a couple of businesses that are a little bit beyond that, so 50 to 60 staff. Uh, the, the challenge around the data and trying to get good facts around this is when you go out and you look at all the research around how much does a data breach cost a small business, how many small businesses are being attacked, they conflate that with businesses that have got even up to 500 employees, which I don't know about you, but it's really not in my definition of what a small business would be. So we focus on the number of employees and the really the characteristics for us at Cinch is that they typically won't have an in-house IT person, which typically means that they're reliant on someone externally to help their business. Um, and that introduces a whole bunch of complexity and, and challenges when it comes to cybersecurity. And that's really where we focus our energies into solving and helping that. Great. And I, I'd love to explore a little bit more with you the attitudes that small businesses have towards cybersecurity, mm-hmm. towards data breaches. Um, there's a bit of research that we've uh, learned about over in Europe, Middle East and Africa, that found that uh, around 68% of people believe they're doing enough to secure their data online. So there's that optimism in the population. So I'd love to get your take um, on whether you think that there is that level of optimism in small business. Uh, There certainly are segments of small business market where small businesses do feel optimistic. Um, But inversely, there's also a lot of small businesses out there that do not at all feel comfortable with the amount of risk that they're sitting on top of. Small business as a a market is tremendously fragmented. Uh, there are, you, you think every single industry is represented. You've got sole operators up to, you know, again, 20 to 50 employees. Every potential permutation of that, some on cloud, some that aren't even using any technology still, it's all over the place. So there's, it's a little bit hard, a little bit like the general population to say, are small businesses feeling confident in their cybersecurity? The answer generally is probably yes. However, there are emerging and certainly anecdotally we're seeing a lot with discussion with small businesses that there are, there's an emerging discomfort around this space. And what we believe is happening is as businesses are adopting technology and becoming more sort of digitally savvy, they're becoming more aware of the risk that they're sitting on top of. And largely that's because they're no longer looking at should I use technology what sort of technology am I going to start to use? Do I go to the cloud? Have I got the right things? Should I use Mac or Windows? All of those questions have now been answered. They're just using it. And then once they get to that point, they kind of reset and they hit a tipping point where they then go a little bit, oh shit, what am I actually sitting on now? And what am I doing about this? And have I got the right things in place? And oh, hang on, I'm seeing these things getting breached now. What what have I done about that? What should I do about that? And 
that many businesses are starting to get there. They tend to be those that have adopted technology a bit more readily. So these are really our focus areas, which would be professional services, financial sector, that sort of thing. Um, but they're sort of the leading edge. So we believe that every business eventually will become get to that point of maturity around technology and then be aware of the cyber risk that they're sitting on top of. However, it's a, it's a long journey and there's a long tail on that. So it's going to take a while to get there. But certainly I don't think that there's any business moving backwards in their concern around this risk. So the, the reality is that more businesses are going to become more discomforted. Um, and, and largely that is because the moment that they get to that point and they realize that they're sitting on the risk, there's almost entirely nothing to support them with dealing with that. Um, so it's confronting for them. And they've been trying in the ones that we're talking with um, and a lot of those that we talk with, they've been looking for solutions in this space for a while and they haven't been finding something. Um, certainly nothing that's really answering the questions that they're asking. And so it might look a little bit like I'm comfortable that I'm doing everything or I'm comfortable with what I'm sitting on top of if you go out and survey and see what people are doing. But the reality is there's no options there for them, so they have nothing to do. More often than not, we'll hear, I just want to know that I'm doing everything that I can to protect my data and my customers and my clients. And the reality is that they know is that they're not yet because they don't know what it is that they should be doing. So that really becomes the first question that they're looking to have answered. And what about the worst case scenario? And we love a fact check here on the Cybersecurity Cafe, and I'm pretty excited to do this one with you, <laughs> Adam. So there's a fact that's been going around. It's been widely used in Australia by some really high profile publications and businesses that 60% of small businesses go out of business six months after a data breach. Have you heard that one, Adam? I love that. <laughs> fact or fiction? Uh, total fiction, as far as I'm concerned. I don't, I've spoken to dozens and dozens and dozens of small businesses. I've never spoken to one that's experienced a breach and then gone out of business. Um, I'm aware of a very small handful of small businesses that publicly has been known and the conditions under where they've shut their business are, it, it seems obvious as to why they would shut their business. There's an example out of the US where a, a health clinic was hit by ransomware and they shut down very soon afterwards. That's been doing the rounds a bit lately. The reality is the practitioners in that health clinic were over 60 and decided to retire. It was separate. It was separate to the, the cyber incidents just kind of catalyzed that decision for them and caused them to go off and do that a little, probably years or months before they were ready to do it anyway. There's another example where a small e-commerce store set up. They were operating for around about six months. They then got hit with a bunch of fraudulent transactions, which caused them a bunch of impact uh, on their expenses and whatnot. And then they filed for bankruptcy because they couldn't pay for the bills back to the bank. Again, it's a very small edge case and certainly wouldn't represent, I think, the 60% of businesses that are experiencing things almost every day. And I've certainly spoken to a lot of businesses. In fact, most of the businesses that I speak to can talk to or reference an incident that they've had in the last couple of years. However, they're still active. They're still growing. What that does, though, is that it raises the curtain and opens their eyes to the risks. Um, now, that said, they might not be going out of business after six months after that. 
but the reality is that it's actually quite damaging to their business in that instant. It costs them, particularly if they are short on cash at the time. They can be shut down for a week or so. They can spend a lot of time and energy on that. The stress and the human impact on that is the biggest aspect of it, and it's really quite damaging and dramatic for a small business. And increasingly what I'm hearing from businesses is that either they've experienced something firsthand or they know of someone else in their industry or a similar business that has experienced these sorts of impacts. And then the moment they hear about that or they experience it, it's a complete game changer. The question that you asked earlier of whether or not they feel comfortable completely changes. They know for a fact that they aren't doing enough and they're looking for solutions at that point. So it is really, um, it's, it's a great stat. We were using it in the very early days when we were looking at it and we got challenged on it and we went down the rabbit hole um, to try to find the source of that. It, it's amazing to see where it came from, which is basically from nothing. Such a, such a great stat that it just gets thrown around everywhere. Adam, can we talk a little bit about the kind of solutions that small businesses look to invest in? Businesses, Small businesses in particular, there's three main constraints. So the first one is cash. They don't have a hell of a lot of it. Um, the biggest one is time. They also don't have a lot of that. Uh, but the biggest one and the biggest barrier in our experience with small businesses is expertise. They don't necessarily have the in-house understanding of where to go or what to do. The reality is that their IT support providers and anyone who's sort of running their IT in-house or, or externally are reasonably good and on top of the technology side of things. And and they will be able to support businesses in getting the right technology solutions in place. The challenge that a small business owner has is that they need to answer that question of, I want to know that I'm doing everything that I can. There's no technical solution out there that solves for that. That's an educational type thing. We need to be helping businesses understand their risk, understand the things they can do about that. And as we all know in cyber, uh, the technology isn't the only answer to that. In fact, it needs to be a combination of the technology, the people and the process. We need to wrap all of that up and package that for any business, be it a large corporate or be it a small business. Um, the reality is that there is no solution out there to help a small business answer that question and to solve for that. So in the absence of that, they will buy most pretty much anything that's suggested to them will help. And one of the things when we were talking with small businesses in the first instance, trying to figure out what our go-to-market and what our solution should be, is we would often ask the question, what can you think of an example where you haven't purchased a solution that was suggested to you. And with the with one exception, every single business owner said, no, I cannot think of an example where someone hasn't, where someone suggested something and I said no. Uh, and the only example that, the only exception to that was when someone didn't understand the value that was presented for that solution. So business owners are, ready and willing to invest in security. They just need it positioned appropriately and they need to understand that it's going to have a good impact on their business. The other two aspects of the problem though, which is the time and the money, is the real painful bit. So once once you get past and, and can help a business understand that, then 
getting them to or finding a solution that fits their budget and that they can introduce to their staff that's not dramatically impacting on their time and energy um, or into their environment is hard because there just aren't a lot of really well designed or, or purpose-built solutions for this space. Um, there's an unfortunate side effect of cybersecurity being so sort of new and, and all the investment that's going into it, all of the investments going into the top end of town. All of the solutions are being developed and designed for large enterprises and corporates. So it's very hard to find smaller business-focused solutions out there, um, point solutions, let alone the holistic sort of solution that they're actually looking for. The other thing, uh, I guess, dancing around all of that is small businesses are accountants, they're lawyers, they're financial planners, they're doctors, they're real estate agents. They aren't in a position to deal with the technical language that's presented in many solutions. So trying to figure out, trying to position and present stuff in a way that's plain language that anyone can is approachable for anyone is a really big hurdle and, and certainly not something that, that security products generally are designed to solve for. And do you think because of that, some of that language that we use, does it lead to small businesses making investments in, in a technology that maybe is only giving them 10% coverage of what Definitely. they actually needed? Yeah. Yeah. And then they've used their budget up and, you know, then, then they've left themselves, unfortunately, unprotected in other areas. They will invest and they have invested in point solutions. Quite interesting to, to always, every business is invested in a completely different tool set to solve for their cybersecurity risks. Uh, and often you'll find that they've invested in it five years ago and they've just sort of go, oh, tick, solved uh, their IT support providers going, yeah, that's cool, we'll manage all that for you. And then they may or may not go back to it and, until eventually they get to the point where they're uncomfortable because they haven't really solved for it. The reality, though, with cybersecurity is that every day it moves and the solution that worked five years ago has likely not kept up with the threats that are presented to a business today. So much of the risks on businesses, small businesses or large, are email-based, phishing campaigns, all sorts of things happening. And so many small businesses are just running on out-of-the-box email services. They're not thinking about what they could do and they're getting hit with things, scams through emails constantly. Um, it's just prevalent. It's all, all over the place. So... Having antivirus on your computer isn't going to solve for that. Having even a password manager is useful, but still might not solve for that problem. And the moment that a business solves for that problem, the reality is that the cybersecurity actors out there are going to change and pivot and come up with some new attack, and then they won't be keeping up with that. So certainly the risk isn't getting addressed. It's only growing within this small business space at the moment. And there's not a lot of solutions or very few solutions out there that are really tackling it in a, in a good way to, to help businesses do that. That's all compounded by the fact that every small business is completely different, completely different technologies, so many different setups, stuff on, on premise, things that have been around for 10 to 15 years, and then they're using the latest and greatest cloud services. Um, it, it's just crazy, like the complexity of a small business. These are very solvable problems, but in in isolation and uh, it, it can look quite complex and challenging. So would you say in your experience that 
email is the biggest risk uh, for small businesses from what you've seen? Uh, So, yeah, email is the biggest thing, definitely hitting small businesses at the moment. It's unlikely to find a business that will come under attack or have a significant incident that hasn't had some sort of association with email. That said, there's a lot of accidental stuff that happens as well. Uh, lots of stuff, insiders, depending on on businesses. There's all, I mean, every threat that you can imagine in a large corporate environment exists within a small business context. Uh, there's no difference. Uh, the the only difference, I guess, uh, is that because they're small and the payoff isn't there, it's unlikely that you've got nation state actors attacking unless, of course, they're in a supply chain of a large corporate. So, Adam, just on the supply chain side of things, have you found in the small businesses you're talking to that they're feeling an increasing level of pressure from the large corporates to tick boxes and comply with requirements when they are part of a a third-party risk for that business? Uh, The short answer is no. Uh, the longer answer is soon they're feeling it. So all the businesses that we're talking with at the moment aren't having a lot of direct requirement to tick boxes go through compliance checks being regulated directly. Um, they are, though, aware that things are changing. Uh, and typically those that we're working with at the moment are those that are more aware of the fact that things are coming and things are coming soon and they're being proactive on that. In the other end of the side of the equation, when you're talking in the large corporates, the reality is that they know that they need to get to it. However, if you've ever looked at a supply chain insurance program within a large corporate, typically what you'll find is that the first stage of that is to tear out and try to get rid of 90% of the people in your supply chain because they're not a particularly high risk for you. A lot of regulations that are coming are changing that. So they're going to require that you can no longer so go off and just disregard 90% of your supply chain. And the unfortunate reality is that there aren't really any solutions to help. First, the large corporate figure out what's going on in that 90%. It's just a scale of a problem that hasn't really been solved well yet. Uh, and then the fallout from that being that the small businesses on the receiving end of that have no ability to figure out how to respond to that, how to make the changes to do that, and the compliance and requirements that are going to get pushed down to them are going to be so overwhelming that they're unlikely to do that. And the, and that will be a major impact on small business landscape in that area because essentially they'll lose out on their ticket to the game. They just won't be able to compete or get secure those deals. So there's a big change going on there and that's likely to happen in the next few years, over the next few years. Um, and small businesses uh, have a little bit of awareness of it, but certainly the the big bulk of the awareness is still with inside the large corporates. It's um, it's not something they're thinking about day to day, but there, there's it is it's all of these things kind of combining and and growing that discomfort within small business owners in particular segments. So, Adam, what does the future hold for small business security? Cool. So supply chain, as we said, it's going to be a big thing. So regulation, uh, we've seen GDPR, mandatory data breach notification here, all of that sort of stuff is going to continue to evolve. It's going to get more stringent um, alongside. And, and the reality of all of those regulations, just those ones in particular, is it's going to require 
businesses to start notifying and being more public with the fact that they're experiencing things. This this is something that's not necessarily talked about publicly and it's a bit of a shame because it it's sort of plays on earlier we were talking about the lack of data. There's the lack of openness as well that, you know, everyone's experiencing breaches, everyone's having these things. Under the right conditions, you ask a business owner, they'll tell you their war stories. But uh, generally speaking, they're not going to be open about that because it is their reputation on the line and it's not something that they want to present as doing that. But uh, I'd struggle to find a business that out there that hasn't experienced something in the last 12 months, really. So I think there'll be generally we're going to hear more about small business data breaches uh, and incidents and that'll come through regulation and uh, which is going to force people's hands. Um, as well as the large corporates and supply chain and all the other stuff that happens around that. That's certainly one one big change that's going to happen. Uh, the other one is, as part of that is the customer expectations are going to change. Uh, I know if, when I talk to a mortgage broker, when I talk to my accountant who just happens to be my father, but when I talk to them, I challenge them on their security. So what are you doing? Uh, I'm gonna, you're asking me for all of this stuff. Like I need to be comfortable that you're sharing with it. I work in cybersecurity, so that's you know that comes with a certain level of paranoia. But I think we're starting to see things generally where people are becoming more aware, more conscious of their data, about the risk and whatnot. Um, there's part of that as well as the population ages and or we get all these new digital digital natives coming through. Uh, they'll again have different risks to be aware of. They'll be more comfortable with technology, but with that, they'll have different set of expectations. So that will transfer over to small business owners. Um, probably longer term, it's going to take a while. But probably the biggest thing that's going to happen in the next couple of years is that they'll continue to be more and more advanced attacks. They're going to get continue to get attacked. They're going to get worse. It's certainly not going to get any better. And hopefully, um, we're hopeful, and, and that's what Cinch is about, is that solutions will start to emerge. So uh, we're aware of a few others sort of tackling this space. It is a massive problem. Um, that was certainly when Susie and I started Cinch, that was the big draw card for us. We're problem magnets and we get drawn into the problem space. And I can't think of in cybersecurity a bigger problem than small business at this stage. So we're really looking at that. We're developing solutions for that. So whilst there is going to be increased expectations, whilst the attacks are going to get worse, whilst things are going to get worse before they get better, there are solutions coming. Government and industry are investing into solving for that problem, so there'll be support coming from that. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's it's going to get better eventually, but it's certainly going to be challenging for many business owners on this front in the years to come, which is just really hard to think about when the reality of a small business owner, which now I am as well, is you're just trying to struggle to keep pay the bills each day, try to keep your clients happy, trying to just get the job done. Um, you know, facing this entirely new threat and figuring that out is um, the last thing you want to think about. But uh, yeah, the unfortunate reality for, for many of us now. Well, it's fantastic that we have businesses like yours, like Cinch, who are out there, you know, looking to solve and solving this problem for small business. So, um, yeah, it's, it's great, um, that you're, that you're doing that. And I would love to ask you some advice while we've got sure. you for any would be entrepreneurs in cybersecurity. Uh, what have, what have been your biggest lessons and any advice you'd give to someone thinking of, of starting their own cybersecurity business? Uh, so yeah, innovation is a really interesting space, starting something from nothing. 
Uh, I've always said I my favorite thing in the world is a blank piece of paper. Um, start with a blank piece of paper and build something from that. It's just such a great feeling to, to do that. But it's hard. It's really hard once you get into it um, and do it. It is so worthwhile to do it, so definitely have a crack at it. Uh, in, if you're going to look at it, there's some ways that you should approach it. So certainly nowadays there's so much support out there in the startup ecosystem and the innovation space. So keep an eye out and look for a hack days. Um, uh, we've uh, graduated recently from an accelerator program and as part of that uh, we were surrounded by mentors. So reach out to other people who've done it before, touch base with as many people in that space as possible look for and learn, uh, try to teach yourself or explore the different tools and, and things that are available and programs. Accelerator we're part of ran, run boot camps for people, entrepreneurs who want to start businesses, which is great. Um, but probably there's three main things that you should look at. One is talk to customers. Don't find a problem that just works for you and try to solve for that. It's a good intellectual exercise, but it's not a business. The way for it to be a business is for someone to start to all, someone else to feel that problem and for you to understand it from their perspective. So talk to as many people with that problem as possible. And only once you've talked to literally talk to 20, 30 people, once you've had deep conversations with them about the problem, then start to figure out how you're going to solve for it. The second thing to do is to find a massive problem. Don't find a problem that's only a problem for 20 people. Find a problem that's a problem for as many people as possible. The bigger, the better. Um, it also, what that does is it gives you freedom to explore the solution. You can come up with lots of different stuff and pivot around and do all sorts of things and you will pivot. It's certainly the thing you come up with today will not be the thing that you're going to try to sell. And then the last sort of suggestion I would have is if you're going to start a business, save some money now because it costs a lot of money. <laughs> you will be, it takes a lot longer than you ever expect. Uh, so be ready for that. Yep. That's great advice. Thank you, Adam, for sharing that. And thank you for sharing all of your insights and knowledge today. Um, it's been fantastic to have you on the Cybersecurity Cafe. How can we follow you? Uh, so I'm pretty easy to find. So search for Adam Selwood. Um, just don't look for the Australian rules footballer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> typically I've stolen the Adam Selwood of everything. So Twitter, I'm, I'm at Adam Selwood, LinkedIn, Adam Selwood. Uh, LinkedIn's probably the best way to connect. Um, and then check us out on Cinch. So C-Y-N-C-H and uh, .com.au for the website. Um, and again, all, all over the social media uh, space. Uh, yeah, so follow along, reach out, happy to answer questions, happy to have a chat um, with anyone, whether you're looking at how to get into cybersecurity, how to start a business, um, and importantly, if you know of a small business that's looking for solutions or interested in what we do, or um, yeah, reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Adam. Thanks, Louisa. Right, Beverly, what did you make of that chat with Adam? Here's my take. Confirmation, email is the biggest threat for small business. Very, very impressed with the passion and the magnitude of their due diligence into this market. Every entrepreneur, every startup in cyber should take a leaf out of their book and 
do the level of understanding of the problem that they're trying to solve. I was really impressed. You know, they're, they're building a business, but they are solving a societal problem. And that in itself is a grand effort on their part. And I think it's really important that, you know, for many reasons that we support them, but also because the Australian economy is run on many small businesses. They're such a critical part of our economy. So this is really a a solution we need to get behind. And just for the record, we are not sponsored by Cinch. Beverly and I are just extremely passionate about what Cinch are doing um, because it's a problem, as as Beverly said, a societal problem that needs solving. And I think a lot of people have said, oh, we're going to tackle the SMB market, well, this is the, as Adam defined it, the small business market, which is different. I thought that definition really helped us clarify what they were aiming for in terms of a business model. That misquoted fact about the number of small businesses that go out of business after a a data breach or a cyber attack, I can't remember which one of the two it is in that fact. That was great because it has been so widely used. It's very profound and I think it's it also scares people, which is not what we want to do as we've discussed on previous podcasts. And also if anybody is looking for facts that you now can use instead of that one, Security Boulevard published a number of references, and we'll put the link in the show notes, for facts you can use when talking about SMB, so small, medium businesses, and a few of those reference only small business. So we'll put the link up on the show notes for you, and hopefully we can start circulating the right information. Fantastic. That's the end of our show for today. Thanks for joining us and speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Cybersecurity Cafe podcast. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes. And for more information, visit cybersecuritycafe.com.au and find us on Twitter at CyberACC Cafe.